Welcome to another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. My name is H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto and chief quality officer for the Baptist system. And hey, everybody, I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Well, today, guys, we are so excited to have as a guest on the show, Elaine Mead. Elaine Mead is coming to us all the way from the Highlands in uh, Scotland, which is pretty cool. And currently, Elaine is the executive director of Improvement, Care and Compassion. Uh, prior to that, she spent 35 years in the uh, in Great Britain's in the UK's uh, National Health Service. And so we're going to ask a lot of questions about that today. Uh, one of the main things we're going to be talking about is green lean, which is uh, a new topic for uh, Jake and myself. So we're really interested to um, dive into that. And Elaine, once again, welcome to the show and, and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks very much. And thanks so much, guys, for having me here today. I'm delighted to come and talk to you about this. So, um I'm coming, as you said, from the Highlands of Scotland. I've been up here for the last 18 years and had the real privilege of being the chief executive of an integrated health and care system up here. So um, I am a health professional. I was originally as a diagnostic radiographer, a clinician, and I moved into management and leadership. So I've always been a really passionate healthcare improver and um, particularly a lean quality practitioner so working up here in the Highlands I was able to to bring some of that into my day-to-day -day work. Now in the the little business I run now I'm out working with um, teams around the, the UK and Europe um, on their own lean journeys. I'm I'm actually also a, a realist researcher doing a PhD with University College Dublin on this lean improvement approach to environmental sustainability and I'm sure we're going to talk quite a bit about that tonight but as part of that work I do some work with some NGOs some global organizations I'm currently the chair of uh, the Alliance for Water Stewardship and I have to tell you if I sound a bit weary I just arrived home this very morning on an overnight train from Paris supporting the great um, NGO Healthcare Without Harm at the UN negotiations on a global plastic treaty. So you want to talk to me about plastic? I'm full of it today. So. Well, that's great. Uh, and, and once again, thank you very much for being here. Uh, when you say you're a, a, a radiographer, is, is that what is that a radiologist? No, different, different. So radiographers are the um, clinicians that take the pictures, take the oh, images. Oh, uh, like an x-ray technician. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And radiologists, as you know, are your medical colleagues that do all the hard work reporting on them. Mm. Well, tell so, us a little bit. Well, go ahead, Jake. Well, I was, you know, I was just going to dive in and ask. I know you said you've been in lean and uh, mm -hmm. healthcare management for, for a while now. Um, tell us how you got into to Green Lean and maybe explain a little bit about what is Green Lane for us that are, are pretty new to the subject. Sure, sure. And and I should just say, Jake, front and center, I'm not an environmental expert. I am an expert in healthcare. That's what I've spent my life doing. But I do now know a lot about the impact of healthcare on the environment and the health of our patients and the population. So that's where I'm really coming from. 
So how did I get into this? We we implemented a lean quality management system um, in the Highlands, the Highland quality approach, we called it similar to your own approach. And what I was really interested in is just how you could take the waste out of processes exactly mm-hmm. the same as all of the people you've been talking about. And we were quite good at that. We did good job. We had people looking at processes. Um, but we were busy, busy like everybody else. And and we did know about climate change. So we knew it was going on, of course. You couldn't miss it. Um, we were doing our bit. We had solar panels everywhere. We had electric cars we were moving away from some of our heavy oils so there were lots of things we were doing in practical ways that lots of other people were doing and and to be fair we were all a bit busy you know we're like you protecting health and saving lives so if I'm honest I thought that those clever scientists were going to be sorting it all out while we were getting on with the job and and it was only when I had time to look up I figured out actually they hadn't quite done it so that's when I started getting really interested in this, although there's lots of work been done in, in healthcare, um, The scary thing for me, Jake, was how much I didn't know. And honestly, I really didn't know what I didn't know, even though I'd been in the business this long. I think when I when I think about climate change and healthcare, I, I honestly just had never really thought about it. But I've had some uh colleagues on a different podcast I do uh, a little while ago that do work on some initiatives in green healthcare, and they cited some statistics about how much healthcare as an industry contributes to greenhouse gases. I, I don't know if you have that information off the top of your head, but it was a significant percentage, um, you know, maybe somewhere around 10% of. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, so U.S. is around 10%. Um, Healthcare is about 8.5 of your national carbon emissions. It's been going up a while in about 6% since 2010. Um, if, if you look at global healthcare emissions, uh, it's about 4% overall, which sometimes I talk to people and they go, hey, well, that's not very much, is it? You know, I don't know why we're getting excited about that. But actually, if it was a country, healthcare would be the fifth largest polluter on earth. And you start going, okay, that's pretty big. Okay, now I understand that we need to be doing something about that. And and I don't want to get too technical, Jake, but um, your colleagues would have said that it's important to understand these what we call these three scopes. Okay, and I won't get too technical on you, but Mm -hmm. there's there's some things we can influence directly and some things indirectly. So scope one and two, the first one is around, you know, the things that we burn, like the electricity and the things, food waste, stuff like that. We can control that directly in our healthcare facilities. The the second scope, we sort of in their indirect emissions. So it's the fact that we have the lights when we use electricity actually there are emissions because that's being produced for us to use the electricity so so we can control it up to a point but it's not like we have our arms around that one and the biggest one is this scope three and and this is the bit that really we all struggle with these are the indirect emissions from the production of goods and services so they're things like the things we procure for the health system pharmaceuticals medical devices that sort of stuff um 
And it's that being made and transported to us and then got rid of. All of these things in the life cycle of some of these products are, are really pretty impactful on the planet. So, so in the UK, there's a, a greener plan for the NHS, and we're looking in England to decarbonise by 2040 for scope one and two. But where it's a bit more difficult to get to 2045, which honestly isn't that far away. In Scotland, a tiny bit more ambitious. They want to get to net zero by 2040, with everything being sorted. So. So actually, you know, people are saying that good care is environmentally sustainable care, which I would agree with. And and your own president set up a, a office of climate change and health equity a couple of years ago now. And interesting, that's looking at addressing the impact of climate change on the health of the American people. And I would say that's great. But actually, I'm realising now that some of the things we do impact globally on other people's health in other countries that we just don't see so it's really having a bit of a wider perspective um, and that was a wake-up call for me I like you you know I've been in the business a while I just didn't know some of these things yeah when we think of carbon pollution I think of you know the oil companies and you know big companies like that that are responsible for it and we're just we're, we're just the, the good guys sitting back and and yeah, healing that's people. right and you know but you know one thing jake I, I never i never thought about this you never see anybody turn off a, a light switch in the hospital i mean the the lights are perpetually on and, and I, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek but that is true but i never elaine i never did even think about you know the waste that we have in healthcare, how that is like indirectly impacting yeah. impacting yeah. the environment because if if we didn't have that waste you know those carbon emissions wouldn't even be happening to 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 produce whatever it is that we're wasting that's that's a very interesting uh interesting yeah. uh thought yeah and or fact and actually it's a really vicious cycle then hf because what happens is the the fact that we create some of this waste and and some of the things that we do cause this harm then that creates in itself health inequalities so people then have health problems to do with air pollution and extreme temperatures and and we these some of these are the patients coming into our, our our services and actually we have some responsibility for for the fact that they're becoming ill we sort of don't see it like that because we think as you say, Jake, it's it's all the bad people over there doing the emissions, but they're they're emitting the toxins because we're asking for the materials. Okay, mm. so it's this it sort of circular thing. Climate crisis is a public health crisis. There's no question about that. And and the worst thing for me, the more I got into it, I realised that actually um, it's not evenly distributed across geographies or populations it disproportionately affects those vulnerable and disadvantaged groups. So there's a there's a social equity issue as well. But but I could scare you with some of the things I found out I didn't know. OK, would that be good? Because maybe sure. you don't know them either. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, sure. We, we definitely don't know. <laughs> OK, well, I didn't know some of these things. And, and, you know, lots of people do know them, but I just didn't know. So so let me run through a few. 
So the active ingredients of some of the drugs we prescribe don't get taken out of the water when either by the sewage system after they're excreted by the patients or could even be just flushed down the toilet by our patients because they don't want to tell you they don't want to take them. And that means they go straight out into the ocean. That's really scary. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I could talk a little bit more about that. Um, as a surgeon, I don't know how much you know about anesthetic gases, but actually they're killing our atmosphere. And um, I've got a great, some great stories about some of the impacts of those. You, you might have heard some of that. The anesthetists are pretty noisy about that now. Yeah, I know. Hmm. So uh, the other podcast that I uh, said I did was on informatics yeah. and um, and climate change and and how we could use technology within a healthcare system to improve it. And there was a yeah. anesthesiologist out of UCSF who helped with a um, essentially it's just an alert to the anesthesiologist to decrease the flow rate of a certain type of gas that was you know, use that apparently contributes a lot to greenhouse gases. And they were able to do that across the entire UFC system. And not only did it decrease their the, the amount of uh, greenhouse gases they use, but they actually saved a bunch of money, too, because those gases aren't cheap either. Um, yeah. So it kind of had a double double whammy effect where it was um, both good for the environment and good for the bottom line. And you know, maybe you can talk a little bit to that point too, you know, I don't, I don't know about the national health uh, system, but in in the U.S. right now, coming out of the pandemic, um, there's been a lot of strain on our, our finances. Are you able to do green lean without increasing costs? Yeah, you can. And and actually, if you if you don't waste your natural resources, then it's cheaper. And so there's a lot of things that, that we can do. Some things do cost a bit more money, but if you're using them less, then it balances out. But we're not really good at measuring. So that really is one of the things I'm interested in, Jake, is we we don't have a, a currency or even a language yet in healthcare mm. for climate change. Do you remember when we first started talking about lean and, and we all said, don't mention the money. Nobody talk about the money because, mm-hmm. you know, we can't put a price on it. Well, we can pretty much put a price on an ITU bed. You know, we know it's a proxy and we know it's an average and we know it's not the same for every ITU bed. But, but at, at least now when we do a project where we reduce 10 bed days we can put a price on that yeah wouldn't it be interesting to know what what the the climate impact of that was and and we don't do that yet so so for me lean and green is starting to bring some of these things into center stage when when I was chief executive and I'm really almost shocked to say this but I had a fantastic you know KPO team who were busy removing waste from processes using lean Um, and I also had a fantastic green team who were busy removing a different sort of waste you know from heating and from food waste and and the stuff we throw out do you know what I never thought to bring them together why why was that I've no idea I stand back now and I thought why didn't I just bring them together? Why didn't I use the processes, the lean processes that we knew, knew work in this context? And and nobody's doing that really. And that's part of the work that I'm doing and that I'm researching now is, is why isn't that happening? Could it happen? Is it happening in industry? Um, Toyota's doing it, I can tell you, but 
very few other people are doing it. And, and I'm interested in why that's the case. I think the language, the currency, the fact that we are so busy, we're working in silos, it means that you don't get this cross crossover. And, and it's a whole new language to learn. You know, we learned lean language, now we've got to learn climate language. But mm. I guess people think we're really busy, we'll get round to that when we get chance. And the times run out, you know, we need to do it now. And that's why I'm interested in, in this and getting a move on with it, really. Sure. T- tell us tell us about a few of the the most interesting changes you've seen hospitals or healthcare systems uh, undertake to uh, to become more uh, green lean. I'd be interested in hearing some of those stories. Yeah, and and then they're not always using lean, as I've said, HF already. They're not yet tying those two things together. But so mm-hmm. the initiative for green. Um, maybe if I just give the end of the story for Jake's um, sure. example, that 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 drug I'm going to call it out, Desflurane. It's a drug that's you know 2,500 times greater the impact than carbon dioxide. It's really bad. And actually, you can train, change that for severflurane. You can ask your colleagues when you go back into theatres. Um, it, it really does have a significant impact. That's only 144 kilograms. We use this language of um, carbon dioxide equivalent per kilogram or per tonne. It sort of doesn't work really for us. When you convert that into how many miles you drive in a car, it starts to be a bit easier. So Mm. there's a lot of language changes that we need to make. But the anaesthetists in the UK got so horrified at the impact they were having on, on the atmosphere that actually they've come together and in Scotland they've removed now desflurane from the procurement just a few months ago. England have pledged to remove it completely by early 2024 and Wales are going to do that as well. So it's actually once they knew then they were saying this is power to the clinicians. They actually turned the tap off here and and it's you can only do it when you know what's happening. So we have to start somewhere. So so there's a great anaesthetic story. Another gas you can turn off is nitrous oxide that just leaches out of manifolds. And and whilst, you know, severflurane or, or hangs around in the atmosphere for 14 years, nitrous oxide hangs around for 110 years. Okay, you know, you've got to find an alternative, but actually most of it is just leaking out the places at the moment. So they're scary things, but but they're not impossible to solve some of these. Um, the one I guess closest to my heart that I'm most, the one that shocked me the most, if I'm honest, um, is about plastics. And these plastics are made from chemicals that we now describe. And I've just heard it in Paris. Chemicals of concern is the sort of nice way of putting it. Some of these chemicals now we know are pretty toxic. And and a few years ago, I mean, it was 2009, the Physicians for Social Responsibility did a, a, a study. It was only a small study, but it actually was a study of, of healthcare workers, 20 participants to test what chemicals they had in their in their bloodstreams. And all of them had 24 chemicals at least. Um, 
two of them have 39 chemicals, 18 chemicals in every participant. And although they were looking specifically for these six most toxic ones, um, all 20 of the participants had at least five of them, 13 had six of them. I tell you, if I came and took bloods from you and me, we'd all have them. And that's when you think, okay, this is this is serious. Okay, is it because of the work we're doing? Is it we're exposed to plastics all over the place? I started looking at this and and found that you know, I won't go into some of the technical detail, but some of these endocrine disrupting chemicals, um, like DHP and plasticizers that make medical devices pliable, um, all these the things that coat inside food and beverage cans they are everywhere in our healthcare system and and the fact that these line our tubing our blood bags our catheters our lenses they're all harmful if swallowed but what I didn't know was they leach into the fluids that we're giving patients mm. and so you know I understand we can't remove plastics from healthcare we need them and I understand that but are the ca are the manufacturers being challenged enough to come up with safer alternatives? Well, well, speaking of that, what I think about and I think about waste in healthcare are all the single use items, all the individually yeah. packaged things. Have y'all been able to reduce the reliance on those or find a more sustainable product? Yeah, there's some there's some great work going on in Europe where um, theatres are the first place to go to, of course, to have a look at where the packs are made up of things that um, we, we sort of accept you need to put another thing in just in case you ever need it. And so it's made, we pay for it, it sits in the pack, we throw it away because most of the time we don't use it. And, and the responsibility for getting rid of it lies with us as the user, not with the manufacturer. They've done their bit, they've made it, they've given it to us. And now we burn it because it's now contaminated. So some of these things that we're really needing to think about as, as a healthcare system and clinicians are, do we really need to do that? We, we swung, didn't we, to single use because it was available, it was cheap, it was safer. But actually, we need to rethink some of that. Um, we don't need it. We don't want it. It's actually in just in the producing of it. It's not green at all. So if we're going to have it, can we have from the manufacturers, please, better chemicals? But talking to them just this week, those aren't coming anytime soon. Kaiser Permanente did some great work back in 2012 and they converted all their medical equipment, including their solution bags, to non-PVC and DEHP. But some of, and that's a great move, a great move. Um, some places are, are moving even to glass bottles for neonates and pediatrics, okay, because they're so worried about the impact on the, these infants that are critical. And that's what time. they all used to be, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like you don't remember I mean, when you put in the, the old three bottle chest tube system, those were those were glass bottles that sat down okay. on the floor and uh, yeah, yeah. That sure. was so, before the plastic fluorovac. Right. And, and so maybe for us big people, it doesn't matter so much, but can you think then, you know, a neonate that's in our care for like three months, constantly being, you know, exposed? 
the, one of the studies they did in Europe said 55% of senior neonatologists had no knowledge about phthalates in their um, environments. So, so some of it, we just don't know what we don't know. That's the problem. And then when we do know, what on earth are we going to do about it? Well, what yeah, the, so... Go ahead, Jane. Sorry, I was just, yeah. you know, it's obviously a very big topic. Um, not all healthcare systems are doing any of this. Suppose you're at a new hospital system that had never thought about this in any direction. How do you introduce it? How do you get it from, yeah, the lean to, I guess it has to yeah. be blessed by the C-suite. Yeah, for sure. And that's the way in is to speak to people there. Um, that's how I got in, involved in it, because I had people saying to me, did you know about this? Um, we were particularly interested in our water, actually. We were looking for drugs in water because I was thoughtful about the effluence from our hospitals. So we did a bit of a study with the, one of the local universities and we found that actually the drugs weren't so much of an issue coming from the hospital. There was some effluent, but really what was happening was that we were finding these drugs in the water sources locally which makes you then think hang on you know what are we prescribing do we need to prescribe so much or other alternatives in sweden there are there's a green list of drugs but you know the manufacturers will say to you well we don't make them because they're more expensive and there's no call for them but we need to turn that on its head i feel you know if if we, if we knew now some of the things that are obvious, we should be demanding different things from some of the manufacturers, some of the drug companies. Um, but we're going to have to do that. Nobody's going to do that for us. They're going to carry on doing what they've always done. One, one thing I think about, and th this isn't unique to uh, healthcare, but we're, we're a 22, we're a 22 hospital system, a you know, a large hospital system, and I just think about the amount of paper that we go through day in and day out from meetings and, and the vast majority of that paper ends up either in the garbage can or, or in the um, in the shredder. We, we, we do try to yeah. uh, collect as much of that as we can. But uh, tell me about some things that hospitals and hospital systems are doing to, to reduce yeah. just that amount of paper that that's being used day in and day out. Obvious things, the very first level thing, turn off the lights, put the lights onto electronics so they switch off, turn off, don't, turn off the printers overnight. Jake, we had a thing that used to drive me mad in IT that we put in a system that all the non-clinical compute systems in the whole organization were automatically switched off. If they only gave you like a 30 second warning, it was going to be turned off at source at seven o'clock at night. And I don't know how many times I got caught out by that one, but it was yeah. it was fantastic because actually you could see the the power usage going down because people just left things on every everywhere, yeah. everywhere, everywhere you went. There were hundreds of things that you didn't know about that were just left switched on. We do leave some of the um, the the theatres all night we leave some of those on we've now shown that's okay we can turn some of the power supplies off we don't need to have those running all night so these are just little things you can start doing that you you have to use the technology if you've got it there you have to have people working paperless and it's hard when you're looking at you know we had to move from paper notes into paperless records yeah. 
that's never popular to start off with. Um, but pretty quickly, people found they were more accurate. They could get things faster than than they were able to before. So, so there's lots of things you can do at a very low level. But but the way we keep the 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 lights on, the way we keep the building heated, all of these are the things that the green teams are doing in the background. But the lean teams, when I started bringing those into theatres and started working with the, the green teams and going, OK, so so let's have a look in in um, the hospital in Denmark. They tipped out all of the waste from their theatres and they realised it hadn't been separated. They could use different, they could recycle different things. It was all just being chucked in a bag that was being burnt. And, and our lean eyes started looking at how you could improve the processes. And that's when we start getting this synergy when you bring the two perspectives together. As lean practitioners, we don't really have a green perspective. But I'll not forget, once I understood lean, I can see waste everywhere. Now I can see environmental hazards everywhere because I've got those green glasses on as well. So, you know, Elaine, this is a great conversation and probably one of many that we need to have on this topic since it's kind of emerging. But where would you suggest a new health system start if they're interested in this space and, you know, want to even just get a, the basics started? Yeah, I I would go to your estates department, your team that are looking after. They're, they're the, the back office people. They're likely currently to be under pressure to reduce their costs and to do that they'll be looking to reduce their electricity their water costs or waste costs they'll be doing stuff in the background so so they have this experience and they have these green eyes if you then give them the skill set of lean approaches where you're actually following the process and I've said already trying to get some sort of currency for it some language for it which is common I would love to see for every quality improvement project, we have at least one climate metrics in there. Okay, so that starts getting everybody thinking about it. And you need to do that with your people who are the green people currently, and they're mainly back office people working in estates. They'll be very familiar with it. They can't build a building without meeting some of these legislative requirements. Um, but there are alternatives that they could use to things like plastics, vinyl on the floor, all of these things. We need to be asking them to think greener and leaner. Well, Elaine, well, this time has flown by. It's It's been a very interesting discussion, uh, very intriguing. Uh, something that I can honestly say I never had thought about is applying um lean principles to uh, environmental improvement in healthcare, and uh, you have really enlightened us. Uh, we certainly have enjoyed your time, you know, uh, our time together. And as Jake said, you know, this is a, a, a discussion that should be ongoing. And, and along those lines, we hope that uh, that we can invite you back on the podcast before too long to continue this discussion. Always happy to talk about it. And uh, yeah, but don't don't get too disheartened. We're all doing our little bit and every little bit really does make a difference. So uh, tell others, help them understand what I didn't know. And maybe they'll start doing different things as well. Thanks very much we, for having me. We sure will. And uh, 
on behalf of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, we uh, once again thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lynn.